Coming up on this episode of Business Interrupted. It's really nice to be known for, I guess, that first baby outfit or someone announcing pregnancies, that kind of stuff. is It's exciting that they would want to buy something that I've created. Zoe Sug and Alfie Days, they yeah. had just off their own back bought the Milking It Baby Grow and did a whole YouTube video announcing their pregnancy and they used that to announce the pregnancy and they had it arriving in the post and opening it. For me, I've never seen... I mean, that must happen day in, day out. I've never seen someone... I was like a fly on the wall. And Mm. I actually was really emotional because I see it all the time, but I never get that experience of someone buying something that really means the world to them because they've just found out they're pregnant. Yeah, and the amount of pictures we get of them just laying in a cot before a baby arrives. And it clearly is a really important part of what people are building in their life. And we've done something that's part of that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Business Interrupted with your boys Richard and Trent. Nice, Do you like that? That was good. Do you like that? Give it a little pregnant pause there. How's, uh, <laughs> how's, how's your week been, pal? It's been it's been kind of frantic. Really interesting podcast this morning. Yeah, which was great at eight o'clock this morning. But more importantly, how are you, pal? Because you were at a wedding until 12 o'clock last night. Oh, and you good. dashed back 100-odd miles to come and do this podcast. Yeah, not, not, not per hour, just 100 miles. I didn't speed for anything. <laughs> you did not Don't do that. Don't put that message out there. Never speed. Uh, no, I went to a wedding last night. It was very, very fun. It was an Indian wedding. I've never been to one. And there was a heck of a lot of dancing. And it was really good. The food was amazing as well. So I had the, a good time. I think we should do some feedback on episode one. Okay. And you know, this is a This is to one another and how, how we felt. We well, them. I had four messages on the back of the podcast. Did you? Yeah, I did. Some, somebody who I don't know reached out on LinkedIn, gave us some feedback saying it was hugely insightful and they thoroughly enjoyed it. Nice. They said Ross was a really nice guy. That, that's nice because that's, you know, that's Ross, a nice no bit of feedback. On us too, just Ross, yeah. There was one piece of feedback which said we go on too much and ultimately it needs to be less about us and more about the guest. Another, separ- another separate message which came through saying more of Richard and Trent. Is this all true? Yeah, completely true. Is it? Yeah, totally true. Nice. Yeah. Well, why don't we just keep it exactly the same then and do four-minute intros where we haven't even got anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> Business Interrupted. Business Interrupted. Business Business interrupted. interrupted. With Trent and Richard. Powered by wearefulfillment.co.uk. But you know one thing we should do in these podcasts? What's the worst thing about podcasts or where do podcasts go wrong? Ooh, interesting. Where do they go wrong? No structure? I don't know. There's some stat like 90% of podcasts never get finished. No one ever really gets to the end, mainly because people dip out halfway through. And the the number of people that complete a podcast is very, very rare. So I think we should do everything we can to try and change that trend. What's the people get to the end? Exactly. Like I say, if you make it to the end, there's going to be a secret password. Exactly. You see, this is why you and I are business partners, pal. Ah. Because we're on the same way. So here's what we're going to do. In every single episode, we're going to put a business challenge or some amazing bit of trivia or fact at the start of the podcast will give you the answer to how that was solved or what the resolution to that was at the end of the podcast okay cool okay people can always just forward to the end but that you know it's just a... okay so are we doing it for the first time yeah, in this episode i'm gonna do this one and then on the next Look, can episode... i do this one this one is what is the what is the one key thing you should do to make people listen to the end of a podcast oh i see you down there would you like to know what, what please my... i'm dying to know Right, so I got a business challenge that was faced by the city of New York back in whenever the Empire State Building was built. 30s, wasn't it? They had a big, big problem because elevators were in their infancy, really, at that stage. And they were just big... getting off the ground, so to speak. Boom! This is the kind of content <laughs> people tune in for, pal. That's it, right there. So the Empire State Building was built and the lifts were slow. And there was an outcry for people saying, yeah, the building's great, it's beautiful, it's a skyscraper, it's unbelievable, but we can't get to our floor because the speed, because lifts are small and you can't get everybody at the same time. So what they thought they were going to have to do is either install new stairways or put another lift in, which would then take years and years and years to put a new lift in, etc., etc. They solved it in one month and got all the complaints down practically nothing by doing something that cost them less than $200. What did they do to stop the complaints about people well, waiting? Well, I am not going to answer that because I want Abby to come onto this podcast and then you can answer it. <laughs> yeah. That was my excuse for not knowing it. Do you know the answer? No, I don't. 
That's, that's, it, that's kind of like a brain tease. That's a great question. It's a question. It's, it's, it's business. They thought they were going to spend tens of millions of dollars putting in your lift shop. They solved it in 200 bucks. Answer at the end of the podcast. Woo-hoo. But before we do that, let's meet Abby. Yes. We love Abby. We genuinely love Abby. So we've known Abby for not, not too far off a year. We've been working together for that amount of time too. And yeah, she's, she's generally one of those people that you just enjoy being around. And there's a quiet coolness about Abby, whereby you look at her and you spend time in her company and you go, you know exactly who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, she's, she's very purposely understated because she doesn't need to be anything else. And she's effortlessly cool. And she'll be bristling listening to this right now. Yes. But also her brand, I mean, we'll get onto that when we speak to her potentially, but her brand is effortlessly cool. What are the odds? Effortlessly cool. Say that again. Uh, Effortlessly cool. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) me, you've been to a wedding, Trent. (laughs) We had a really interesting chat with Abby earlier on this morning, and she talks through the story of being a fashion buyer, which is a whole different world to us, and how she went from being a fashion buyer for one of the biggest names on the high street to setting up her own business and it's compulsive listening but wow what a story definitely enjoy this is abby dickin from claude and co business interrupted because we have got another guest on podcast as we've just so this week we have abby from claude and co who we have had the delight in working with for about seven months feels like longer it is in a good way i don't know Okay, that's a bit, <laughs> bit weird seeing that Abby's sat right there. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's really not. How, how many podcasts have you done, by the way? Is this something you do quite a lot? No, I've only ever done one before. Is that right? She was actually was, saying your setup's decent. This compared. is really good. It's quite intimidating, but it's really good. <laughs> I think so. We've got like microphones and yeah, everything. Yeah, it feels very 2023 podcast. It does, this doesn't was, it? I did a 2020 and it was in my front room. So, ah, yeah. a bit of a pandemic podcast. It was a pandemic podcast, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the reason why we started doing this, because Trent and I find ourselves going a bit nuts. Didn't we during the pandemic? Well, we couldn't go so. to the pub, so we're like, well, let's put a microphone, open some beer and chat rubbish. And that's kind of what we did. And then people started listening to it and we thought, oh, we've got something here. Yeah. How do you feel talking about your journey and stuff whenever um, people do ask yeah. you, do you find it comfortable? I find the elevator pitch hard, but mm. I find the general chat fine very easy because it's very much what I do all the time. So I'm a very open person. Yeah. I'm happy. It's like the proof is in the pudding. Yes. So yeah. I think we've, we can, well, you're, you're really good at it in terms of like telling, if somebody says, what is WAF? Mm. You can go, great. I yeah, wince. I think, storytelling and but I think, you, do you wince as well if somebody says, tell us how great Claude and Co oh, is. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. I hate that question. And also what have you got going on right now? And you don't ask that to people if they have a new no. job. Really. No. So it's it's quite an intimidating question. So give us your elevator pitch. I make I make clothes for small humans. Yeah, yeah I make clothes. <laughs> um, it's worthwhile pointing out for our listeners what Claude and Co is. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will know about Claude and Co and what you're famous Definitely. for, but it's probably worthwhile. It's not an elevator pitch, but yeah. just trying to explain to people what Claude & Co is and how it's made such an impact. I think the practical way of describing it is that it's a clothing brand for babies and children. And I guess our core thing is that we're unisex and organic. But on a personal level, I like to think that we're quite disruptive in the children's wear market of... I genuinely don't think there's anyone doing what Claude & Co is doing in terms of style and ethics and just brand ethos and everything that we're passionate about so that's the kind of how I would very quickly describe it to people and what style would you say that is well it's unisex so it's kind of nothing is gender specific obviously it reads on the tin but it's very like oversized cool shapes really beautiful fabrics styling prints all the things that make me very happy you're very creative in your mind mm. as to what you want the brand to be. And you can see yeah. that with the colours and the Thank fabrics you. of everything. It's got a very, very strong end game yeah. you can see with what you've yeah. done, which comes from a really strong sense of purpose, which yeah. I think we'll, we'll probably that's, get into a little yeah. bit. But it comes from somewhere very passionate, doesn't it? Very much so. I think that's my probably my unique selling point of myself, that I that's what makes me tick. So mm. I'm very happy to do that. It feels very comfortable. Have, have you ever heard of the word, the Danish word? I think it's hygge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. don't think you say it like that though. It's um, <laughs> would 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 you disagree if that word springs to mind when I think of Claude and Co? That's a really nice compliment. That's I I love that. Um, no, I'll I'll take that. Thank you. And some people say it's got like a kind of Japanese silhouettes mm. and 
it's very scandy effortless but with yeah. a lot of purpose and i like to think it's quite fun yeah we mm. do have fun with it but it's it's stylish fashion's always been something you've been interested in yes do you, do you think you're good at fashion? Do you think you understand fashion? I don't think I understand how to make clothes. I think that's a huge skill. I'd love to be a pattern maker, but I don't know whether I'd say I love fashion or I love brand and I love product. I think I've always had quite an eye for detail. I think that's what we call it, like the A plan. Like I'm really good at seeing things that other people can't see and whether that's in fashion or other areas of my life. And that's a big thing to say, isn't it? I guess fashion is something that I'd always had an interest in getting into and my dad's business was kind of fashion, slightly fashion-led, I guess, or there was elements of what they do that's fashion. So I got some really interesting work experience, ex- sort of exposure. And then from like 15, I did that thing at school where they tell, you know, you have to fill in some information and they tell yeah. you what you should do. And I either said architect or fashion buyer. Oh, really? And I had never heard of a fashion buyer before. So then I just was like, well, I can't be an architect because I'm really bad at maths. Mm. So I'm going to go and be a Buy buyer. And yeah, be I'm going to do that. I get to be the boss. And <laughs> it's quite a weird Venn diagram. Like yeah. Architecture and fashion yeah. buyer. That's it's like, almost... art. I, was, I yeah. love art. I love I kind of creativity, but I also like the business side. And I suppose I didn't know what business was, mm. but... I guess that's where it led me. So, yeah. what, was your, what was your dad's business? Out of interest? He has a business. They manufacture light boxes. So they create, like, it's going to kill me if I don't get this right, but standard lighting across fashion industries, food industries. So whether it's photographing products like a McDonald's chip to be the right colour yeah. and they have to know when to fry it to the right side or if it's in fashion and at Next we would use them for the... In Bangladesh, they'd be looking at a colour versus in the UK, so we'd have to have the same light source. And he created that business. So, yeah, so it's always kind of, there's been lots of talk around me of fashion and colour and things like that. So, wow, that is a very niche business. It's a very niche business. Yeah, 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 we could have a whole podcast about that one. (laughs) I've got a friend of mine whose job it is to to shoot and photograph kfc burgers oh wow yeah that's his job his job Gosh. is to fly around the world <clears throat> he'd literally fly to brazil to shoot a burger that's really interesting it is but literally he's really, but aren't, aren't why i don't quite know in, in 2023 yeah. but yeah it's, it's i'm sure sad. there's like the behind the scenes there where the mayonnaise is actually glued yeah yeah, that's yeah, and the lettuce yeah it's is all, all make-believe isn't it but it's like mm. a two-week shoot to shoot some fries it's and like, they never actually um, look like that when you course course they don't. Don't. <laughs> of course they don't using your very keen fashion eye would you say Trent is more fashionable than me today or no, vice no, versa? No, you're always more fashionable. Trent okay. always sort of has something a little bit wrong with everything. <laughs> just fashion or? <laughs> yeah, just fashion. Like when he came in really proudly last time I was here and showed me his t-shirt that he'd spent a pound on from like Amazon or yeah, something. Yeah, you could slightly <laughs> like, see my nipples. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's lovely. <laughs> were, you, were, you, were you teeing up the Patch, Patch London suit there or was that just completely random dig at me? No, that's a very good point. Do you want to, should we flag the suit? Yeah, so Richard It's a really is, nice jacket. Do you is like this, this jacket? Would you, would you call it a suit? I would call it a well, suit. So, well, so here we go. This, is, this has been a hot, hot We've got to kind of do an elevator pitch now for Batch London, because they're okay. one, of, one of our partners, set up by Sam and Julian. Okay. And they've, they've gone all in now in terms of creating these suits that are made to size and made to mm, order, nice, okay. because reducing landfill, etc. Mm-hmm. And we bought a couple, and it's supposed to be kind of, Oh, this, he's really going to be annoyed if I get this wrong, like suit for the everyday occasion. So you yeah. can wear it to a wedding, you can wear it to work, you could chill out on it because it's comfy, okay. but it's top quality and looks the yeah. part. It looks, it looks like a, you look a little bit like an architect, which I think is always a compliment. Like it's a really nicely made worker jacket, I would call. Thank you. Mm. Sam and Julian will be very excited about this. Yeah, yeah, that's a stamp of approval. It's nice. Yeah, I uh, like what, it. I would what, wear one. What's that you say, Sam and Julian? Another free suit. <laughs> Can much. I have one? Mean another I'll free have... suit. <laughs> 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 do they do that's women's? True. They do. They do. They do. Oh, they look, one they look excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I think you. we might have one somewhere. You oh, great. Great. I'll have one. Yeah. yeah. No, as in not to give away. Just oh, have a look at it. Can't just say that on the podcast. Yeah, we've got yeah, loads. I'll have one. We've got a, we- do you know what? We've got a warehouse full of stuff. Just go and take your pick. Okay. That's Brilliant. how it My works, I think. <laughs> That's how it works. Just so it have a free-for-all. We're, we're in Nottingham right now mm-hmm. recording this, and you're formerly from Nottingham yeah. University, NTU, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, I am. I'm Midlands born and bred and went to Nottingham Trent University. I only managed a year, though. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know whether that's a... I can say I'm an alumni. I don't well, you've proper dropped out. Well, I got offered a job. Right. So I went and did work experience in the summer holidays. I did 
five weeks of the summer and there happened to be an opening of an assistant role at George and they asked me if I wanted to take it. I really? think it was, yeah, I think it was genuine one of the happiest moments of my life. Did you have any questions about, should I, should I not? Or do you no. think I'm going? No, no. Right. They offered me £16,000. I ran away and I was like, yeah, I'll take it. I'm happy. I suppose you were yeah. doing the, you were prepared to do the whole university course to get a job like that anyway. Absolutely. I would have ended up there and I was interviewing people years down the line who were on my course and it's like, it just gave me that leap yeah. from, oh, yeah. really, because it was a four year course. So I did an extra three years of probably, I'm not, not slagging going to university, but a good university degree's worth of experience in three years. Yeah. And that, I think that has led me really to where I am now because I leapfrogged and actually had my house and already was established. So I had the background to be able to leave and do this. And this is when tuition fees were like three grand and not 12 grand yeah. or whatever they Yeah, are. and I felt really rich at uni because you got the student the loan one... and I was like... <laughs> rich for about four days. Yeah. Oh, no. I was like, oh, this is fun. You actually get a card and it has money on it, not realising you have to pay it back. But... Mm. And I'm guessing there'll be people that'll be listening to this mm. that are wanting desperately to be a fashion buyer or that's something they really... What was it like for you then going into that world on day one in, at George? Oh, it was... It's a whole other world. I think... It depends on the industry that and, and where you work. George was a really good place to sort of like cut my cloth, essentially. You have all the different characters in every kind of big corporation, but there's, there is truth in the idea of you're, you're really part of a bigger picture and no one really knows who you are. You just have to do a lot of sample moving. It's a lot of boring mm. days, mm. but you're there and you're listening and you get opportunities to do really exciting things and... It was it was a really wonderful place for me. And I was on menswear, so I did suits, I did like independent brands and there was lots of different areas that I worked on. So it was fun. I loved it. But some of the people I worked with were very interesting characters. Well, that's that's the bit for me that I'm I, I don't know very much about that world and mm. I can only imagine what it's like, but I imagine you get characters and probably quite a few egos oh, of people yeah. trying to prove themselves because yeah. it must be quite cutthroat. It's very cutthroat and there is this always I mean, it's a bit Devil Wears Prada type thing where there was this saying at Next where it was like, you're only as good as the last outfit you wore to your meeting. Mm. Really? Yeah. No way. It's a bit like that at WAF, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Trent's voice. Yeah, it was, it it was quite, it was quite serious. And I feel like you're all chasing that dream. I mean, Next was probably a bit more than George. George was a bit more chill. There was a lovely bunch of people. And there was at Next, I've got some lifelong friends, but there really was that attitude of everybody had to perform a certain way and rightly so it's a really important company but I think there was the realization that it is just closed at the end of the day Mm. on a scale of like Mm. the brand and the presence and the attitude of the brand itself next is really far down yeah so would that get worse and worse the more yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean you wouldn't even get paid if you went and worked at a high-end fashion brand or you, you don't get paid you just go there and have work experience and you, you have to be thankful and you have to live in London and pay for it yourself and it's, because because you, you're lucky to be in the industry you're very lucky to be in the industry is that ah, really yeah. we, should, we should take note mate. yeah that's a good idea yeah. with our fashion sense <laughs> yeah, sure that, we're fly. just yeah. interviewed for this role just to let you know there's <laughs> no money <laughs> as an internship you're very should be thankful to be here exactly mm. but it gave me incredible opportunities mm. I was chasing the same thing that everyone else was chasing and as a very young person I was I was really excited about going left on a plane and getting to travel the world and mm. doing the Instagram shot with the champagne and the Virgin Lounge and all of the things that you, I thought I wanted. I got to where I wanted to get to and then I was like, oh, no, I what? really don't like this. Really? I'm really unhappy and I had a complete meltdown. And that's what, what, what do you mean in terms of meltdown? I just couldn't function properly. I, was, I kept getting really unwell. I was very stressed, although I didn't understand what stress was. And I, I just... I think I just went into my shell and I just felt like I wasn't capable and things started going wrong because they'd gone so right. And then mm. I just felt like I was a bit left out to see, like, great, you've got this by roll, you go do your thing. And I had no idea what I was doing. I was just a really good assistant with a great eye for product and I didn't know what to do. So I needed more, I needed more support and it just wasn't there. So Did, did you get the impression that it was a bit of a sink or swim mentality. Always, and yeah. If you were mm. what, 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 early twenties, yeah, I was twenty-five. I was no yeah. real support, no. but literally walking into mm. rooms with quite ego-driven people, yeah. having to prove yourself. Yeah. Like, I'm turning up in Sri Lanka at a factory that you've never been to, off getting off a plane and getting in the back of a car and just mm. going to a factory of people that are really respectful and loving people, but you're you're having to 
to talk to them about millions of pounds worth yeah. of business. And you need to be there and yeah. know everything that comes and, out yeah. your mouth must yeah. be informed, it yes. must be decisive. And I'm 25 years old and I'm like, I've got no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> it's just, yeah, you must You must be very stoic, though, to be able mm. to do that and and to not be kind of scared of going into that quite ego-driven yeah. environment while obviously making big decisions on a very big business where yeah, if you make the wrong decision, there will be repercussions. That's character, I think. Yeah. You're kind of, you have to be, I feel like there is, sometimes I wish I'd gone and done design, but I think I also have that other side of me that likes, like now probably why I run a business, I like that side of being involved with people, meeting people, having those conversations. And that doesn't really phase me, but it's the... I don't like to to do things without conviction, and most of the time, I felt like I was there just winging it. There must have been a moment then when you were in that role and having that crisis, yeah. where you thought this has got to stop. What, yeah. what, what was the worst point when you remember? Was there a specific meeting or a, a tipping point where you thought this mm. has got to give? A specific yeah, factory. It was, or yeah, no, it was it was meetings. It was it was a range of of clothing that because we had selection meetings and you had to present to the directors and I just remember it going really horribly wrong and me feeling like I'm the worst person in the world at this job and I have, mm. can't believe I've got it and my my energy and my mood was so low and there just was no one around me saying you can do it you are good at your job it was all yeah that wasn't very good and I just felt like I was I was on the edge of being fired anyway it's sort of how you always have that feeling yeah. and it just didn't suit me I, I'm clearly not cut for that way of working and I'm glad that I realised whether it was through feeling in a really low place, but I'm really glad I got out of it. Was it at this point you decided to go to the lonely life of being a solo (laughs) entrepreneur? Yeah, I feel it's interesting, though, because I feel like a little bit of my decision behind starting my own business was actually my fear of failure in that I felt like I'd failed at Next after being so driven to do Mm. it. And my whole life was built around being this buyer of this and wanting to go into all these amazing things. And it was like I failed and I didn't achieve what I thought I was going to achieve. So I can't just go and say, do you know what? I'm, I'm fine. I'm going to go and work at the coffee shop down the road. I was yeah. like, no, stuff you. I'm going to go and build my own brand and yeah. make my own company. And I'm kind of, I've got that, still got that quiet grit inside of me. Yeah. And I just, yeah. And then, I suppose at a place like Next, if you felt like you failed, there will be elements outside of your control. Oh, it's so So you start a new business, like, yeah. I have got 100% remit yeah. now. If yeah. it goes wrong, yeah. it's down to me and nobody yeah. else. Yeah, which now I've learned is, is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. But yeah. it's, it's interesting, coming from that place of, right, I'm going to prove that I can actually do it. Mm. I think co-founders and founders generally, they've got that belligerence yeah. to be able to, if you have a crisis of, can I actually do this for a living? Yeah, it was a real, it was kind of a nice, F you to be able to go off and do something that was equally amazing and I love now meeting people that I used to work with and they're all like it's, they love what I've gone and done because it's like a there's kind of this nice feeling of oh there is life after next and mm. there's life after work anywhere that you go and work but it it was a real plus for me to leave and go and do my own thing so mm. and what was the stepping stones for that was it overnight decision or Um, start things on the side it was in december i registered the company over the christmas break and like got all the domain and all of that stuff and said right i'm going to start this brand i'm going to write claude and co i'm going to call it that and then in february i handed my notice in because you get bonus in april Nice, (laughs) yeah three months notice left in may had a holiday and then sat down in my front room and went right better start business and (laughs) did you have supreme confidence in what you were going to do or did you think this is a real punt I knew that I wanted to do something in children's wear because I was a buyer in children's wear and I'm really passionate about it but I started buying other brands because there's lots of I mean we were at Next were taking inspiration from these other companies that were buying brands and I thought well I could do that so I went to the trade shows I went and met brands and started buying small amounts from my savings and just built a website and then had the intention of I will also have my own brand as part of this and I said on my first business plan I'm going to do it in within three years and within six months I'd done it because I missed it so much and yeah knocked on doors to ask to make the clothing and here we are wow (laughs) what year what year was that again 2016 yeah so it's been a big seven years yeah big massive if you'd have said seven years ago you'd have been on this journey has it been better harder bigger faster all of those things I think all of those and more it's it's like a a whole of the world starting your own business no one really gives you a manual for how to do it and I've learned so much about myself but there's also so many elements that are really lonely and really hard 
and it's not as glamorous as like people seem to imagine it is having yeah. your own business it's really challenging as well and we've seen that as well because of mm. the number of times that you've been up with us <laughs> and find yourself yeah. going through stock Liquor. and you, yeah you, <laughs> you're, very, you're very welcome to be Thank here as much you. as you want but Thank I'm sure you. sometimes you come in here looking in boxes looking mm-hmm. at stock and checking quality control yeah <clears throat> that's the unsexy side of fashion very that no so. one gets to see yeah very much so and when you outsource and you don't actually get to see the product from where we've started I mean I used to just get a handful of things turn up in my I started taking over rooms at my parents house Mm. and I was living at my house and going there to work and I started off taking the study and then I was like well can I have that room for some storage and can we do this and and they've been instrumental in helping me get to this point and we launched with this big party and my dad was building sets for us to put up in this very well lit sets yeah very he had yeah it was I mean the night before he was putting up these spotlights and it was just there's so much energy and love that goes into what I do and my family are really passionate about it too so that's been a big part of it tell me where milking it came from then (laughs) milking it milking it came from um we had lots of different slogans written down and it was a real like brainstorming um and Milking it was kind of a something that we'd say, and I guess it's quite an English mm-hmm. turn of yeah, phrase. Yeah. And I just researched whether it was trademarked, and it wasn't. And I thought, well, that yeah. seems stupid because <laughs> it's really good with childrens. And I thought milking it is such a good term to put on the front of something. Yeah. So I trademarked it and put it on loads of things, and it's really taken off as a really important part of what we do. Yeah, it's so iconic, though, yeah, isn't it? it? Is. Yeah, it is. yeah, and you, you actually, I notice on your mm. social media platforms, mm. you've now started to use it as yeah, being yeah, that, that brand because brand. it's become. Yeah. What's it's it? like it, people know us. They, they'll say, "Oh, okay, I don't know it's, who you are, but oh, you're the milking it brand," and it's like a, "Oh, I know that." Yeah. What's it like to stumble upon something that actually a light bulb moment whereby you've mm. got something that breaks through all the yeah. rest of the competition? It's really lovely, but I wish I had another one. we'll do some brainstorming yeah Yeah, can you do some brainstorming because nothing else hits quite as well we've done like claude said so and part of something and part of something was for charity and there's been some really nice things that we've done but we've sort of i suppose we've evolved away from just doing slogans on things and the brands moved in different directions and i think lots of kids brands do put themselves in those boxes and i think there's Mm. this real like cutesy chintzy thing about children's world that can be and i was very adamant that i never wanted to be that just Going back to kind of your obsessiveness of the mm-hmm. brand and how much you love it, we were talking just before this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and Richard alluded to the fact you were up here a few weeks ago yeah. going through every single garment because yeah. you were worried about something, mm-hmm. garment by garment, and, and to you, it, there was imperfections, yeah. there was this, that, and the other. Actually, that was in your head. Yeah. So like to start, to start a business, some people would argue you have to be slightly unhinged, yeah. I think. <laughs> You have to have the sense of drive that that. just keeps going, keeps going. Endurance. Do you think Mm. that has kind of made you the success you have been or made Claw the success it has been? Potentially it's played a part. I think think there's... I do think that people that have their own business and they keep going are the ones that maybe make it. I don't know. And it's what... who, Who would call what is making it? I don't know what making it is. But it's... Is actually a big part of what I do is that detail and I see it as a compliment to myself but actually I guess to other people looking in it's like I don't they don't really understand how you can keep going at that level all the time mm. and even my personal life and my husband I mean he's so supportive but he's like it's relentless yeah. it's, there's sometimes there's no there's no off button yeah and it's because I see it that there's no one else to do it. Yeah, exactly that. Nobody else yeah, will. No one else is going to do no this. No employee, yeah. no peer. No one will care about this as much as I care about mm. it. And I, I'm i really happy that that's me. And I'm so proud of what I do. But it is relentless. And what's your driving motivation now? Because for me and Richard, it's never really been about money at all. Mm. And it's funny when, when yeah, you speak right. to somebody, it's like, oh, that person's a businessman. Yeah. Either they must be yeah. rich or they must be chasing money. Absolutely. Like, it's kind of the opposite to an extent because you mm-hmm. had an amazing job with Next. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah, yeah. probably not paying yourself. I didn't pay myself for like three years. <laughs> Exa- exactly. Yeah. So mm. I think we, we kind of say that money is a, a byproduct mm. of success. success. Yes. So what is your drive? I think for me, it's the it's building my own lifestyle. So I love the concept that I can choose how I want to live. I can build a company how I want to. If I wasn't happy at how Next did things... I can make my own company ethos and I can make my own brand that makes a difference. And it's it's actually just maybe it's a big ego trip. I just love that it's all on my my yeah, terms. Yeah. And 
that keeps me going this this makes me happier than working for anyone ever would mm. and I know that about myself so I I love what I do and I think it shows in every piece of the puzzle of Claude do you think that it was because of your experience of working in as, as part of a team buying that mm. the solo entrepreneur slash founder was your lifestyle rather than having somebody else to co-find with you yeah I never ever I'm very I can really not imagine ever sharing it with anyone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we, we really hope my husband will work with me at some point <laughs> to give us a bit more of a freer life but yeah. I I don't imagine ever sharing it to that extent I don't think anybody would ever come on board with me in the same way well once you're really st- jealous of this but it's this this relationship yeah because we have that conversation quite a lot in these chairs mm. with people that come in about the difference between being a solo founder and being a co-founder and we don't really know how we would do it individually or we probably wouldn't have made it yeah and we kind of said that we stumbled into it we never put a lot yeah. of pressure on yeah. it it, it happened by accident mm. so it wasn't like you and your best mate yeah. built this new business up. Mm-hmm. It's kind of always destined to fail because you're putting so yeah. much pressure on it. We l- reflect yeah. back on the last three, four years. Of, oh, what have we done here? I yeah. sometimes love that sharing the burden and the joys. Yeah. Um, and I guess I have a close family network around me. And now yeah. I've we've got to the point where we're employing people. And I think that's really helped shift my mindset. But mm. ultimately, it always comes down to me and what I want from it and... I have to always make those calls, whether it's, are we going to tidy the office today or are we going to try and do that huge uh, new collection or yeah. what, you know, it's, everything is built by me and mm. the decisions are heavy sometimes. Getting into the mindset of building a business. Yeah. Are you successful? Not yet. No? No. Will you, will you ever answer and say, yes, I am? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I think I will. I so think is there tangible su- things that you'll success do? Success is completely... It's completely your own feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Like, to you, success will be completely different to me. And I see... I had, I'd had i never done anything before where I'd had, like, business coaching. I never felt like I understood how to run a business, but I actually got someone a few years ago to coach me, and that was real eye-opening for me. Even we had to do something that was like, can you just give me a visual or tell me what your perfect day is? And when you feel validated and those sorts of questions that I'd never really thought yeah. about and I feel like that's success for me is yes though I want I would love money in the bank I want financial freedom but I also feel like there's other things that are successful for me so yeah that's possibly the best question you've ever asked in a podcast by the way <laughs> wow. yeah that was very good because okay. I, I don't know I'm honoured to be honest I, I don't know I I, I don't, it. I've never thought about that but mm. visualising your perfect day is actually yeah. I, I don't know what is your perfect day? Um, apart from obviously going on a podcast at 8 o'clock in the morning (laughs) yeah Yeah. mine was very much like I love my environment so living in a really beautiful home that we have either built or is somewhere that's very special to me a home I'm a homebody and I guess there's the the financial elements of that freedom but I'm going in my head I'm going to either a work premises or a store and there's people there that I love working with and there's maybe a few different places that I go to and I can drop the kids off at school and I'm back home again. And I just want that that freedom, but also what I've built around me and my vision. And that's my perfect day. And I think it's coming. Yeah, so. that sounds like a great day. <laughs> One year, two years, three years? I reckon two years. Yeah. And I and it's the thing for me is I've never had an out plan with Claude. Like I never, you know, people say I'm building a business to exit? sell it. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, I don't know what my exit is. Should I have one? And, well, um, it's, it's, it's very strange because yeah. obviously we just went through the funding round. Mm. Every single VC, their first question, yeah. what's your exit plan? Yeah. Like, We've literally been going six, 12 months. We haven't <laughs> yeah. even started to think about the start plan, never mind the exit mm. plan. I find you, that question really hard. And I wish someone could tell me what I should do to exit or I, I have no idea. I just think the we'll thought just of keep handing going. it over yeah, I bet, is like yeah. makes you. I'm like, who's going to want to buy a kids brand? Like, I kind of, I have that mentality as well. I'm like, no, this is me. Like, you can't really have Claude without me. But I hope I'm building it to a point where maybe you can. That's not the case. Yeah, but it's that seems a long way off. A lot. I think we've got a lot more to do before that would happen. And in the last, so since we've been working together, yeah. Forgive me if I'm incorrect, but I feel like you have done far better in the last seven months mm-hmm. than potentially anticipated. Yes. What would you say that's down to? Good hires. I think we've we've bought on someone who's been really good at doing the ads. And I think that's made a big difference because we're in front of people that we weren't. I think I think 
interestingly, we've had other things that have hit in terms of products than just milking it. And that was always a bit of a slow burn. Like I'm really passionate about the toddler collection that we do. And I think it's really beautifully designed. I, I love it. But it was people came on and they knew us for milking it. They were buying milking it as gifts and we yeah. sold a lot of it. But they weren't necessarily coming on and finding the great dungarees and the T-shirts. And that seems to have turned. And I think people now are doing both and we're hopefully growing up with us, which was my intention. So maybe the last six months that's hit home a bit more. This year's been double what we were expecting and it's been a lot of change and quickly and god I feel like I've been pivoting for the last three years constantly and which is amazing since the pandemic it's been a, a real kind of up and downs of excitement mm. but also there's just one thing after the other I feel like I just keep being hit on the head with things yeah. and picking yourself up and going again challenges you never expect yeah it's part of the journey they're fighting yes. fires yeah, fighting fires on a daily yeah, weekly daily. basis and the thing Hourly. is like mm. If you, if you speak to a coach or you speak to other people, like you need to get to a place where you're not fighting fires. Yeah. First of all, it's impossible. But also there is something about, you get a, yeah. a bit of a buzz when you go somewhere. You're yeah. like, there's five, other, there's five problems here that nobody else mm-hmm. can fix but me. Yeah, you love that. <laughs> <laughs> I like asking you to help because it'll get done quickly. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I think if I was in your shoes that would really scare me or freak me out is mm-hmm. people copying what I do. Mm-hmm. And the fashion industry... I'm guessing everyone looks what everyone else is doing and tries yeah. to find a version of what Zara are doing yeah, yeah. or somebody else. How do you deal with that? Especially when you've got something as iconic as milking it and mm. other people then start copying it. I would spend most of my time scouring the internet we looking do. for well, people doing that. my mum does that. She sends me them on Etsy like, every other day and I just send a little, the same repetitive note of get this down. I actually think it's a compliment. I mean, I'm, I'm happy for Zara to, to use milking it because then I'll, I'll get money off them because it's trademarked. <laughs> No, they haven't. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for a big one. I mean, I'm sure someone will, but maybe, maybe not because I feel like it's quite a UK, even when we've been to trade shows, like the kind of Far East customers or American, like mm. they're like, what does milking it mean? They don't mm. really, I think it's quite a tongue in cheek thing to say in the UK. It's probably quite a UK focused thing. Yeah. Australians seem to like it. Um, Creaming it is also a thing, right? I don't That's feel a like phrase. we can put that on a. No, I know. <laughs> I, slightly... I'm not saying you should, but it's. it's... Really <laughs> oh, please do me one favor. Next time you've got some. Next time you've got any kind of resource, get Trent a creaming it T-shirt. I'm going to. Yeah. Wow. I don't. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna... just saying that. I I feel like that phrase is yeah. the same thing, right? No. 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 Okay. No, it's is not. It, has it no, got... no. Milking it's Worse fun than... and like you and. It is. Creaming it. <laughs> yeah, creaming it's got definite weird I think we should say creaming it again a couple of times. Do you? Okay. Creaming, creaming it. it. <laughs> I, I think it's it's that perfect kind of symmetry with really beautiful products that you yeah. make with that sense of humour of milking it. Yeah. That's the kind of sweet spot that you've absolutely got, I'm right? Isn't it? Like that. Yeah, I, I, I like to think so. I think that's part of my personality. I don't take things too seriously. I'm yeah. really passionate about the design and the brand, but... I think children's wear is fun and you, you don't want to put them in something that's too serious. I mean, mm. some people do, yeah. but you, you want nice, interesting clothing for children. That Basically, I just make mini versions of things that I would love to wear. Yeah. And that's my the way I do things. Yeah. And the fabrics and everything yeah. is so, so soft. Be- it's Thank really, you. really beautiful. Yeah, what you do I'm is really lovely. And the mm. colours mm. of that, the beautiful pastels that come through on the website. Thank I mean, you. anybody that's listening should take a look at the website. Cause it yes, is, you what, should. What's the website? Claude, well, www.claudeandco.co.uk. <laughs> uh, it obviously comes from that very strong kind of creative end game like I mentioned earlier of this is what I wanted to look like yes. and you've always stayed really strong yeah to that, and it's you? evolved hugely I mean when I look at the first collection which I bet you'll never be able to find it's I remember that package arriving at my parents house and my dad came in he was like I want to open it and I was like no I'm opening it and we just got this stuff out and now we're looking at it like god this is awful but it was so so exciting to have something that is mine and my own brand behind it and and how big was that kind of how many SKUs you have what was the range like oh it was like like? six things and I remember being on I was on this TV show and I had to present the stuff to Karen Brady and and she was like so how many have you bought and I was like oh I've bought 300 of them and she was like each SKU or we like and I was like no no in total she was like 
Oh, right. Did she literally go, oh. Yeah, she, it was like, a, oh, that's, that doesn't sound very didn't, good. And didn't she say you're never going to make it on that programme? She said that I was never going to make it if I didn't get more confident in what I was doing. Mm. And she told me I needed to go and get investment and kind of grow in that way. And she actually said at the end, she was like, if the bank won't lend you the money, I'll lend you the money. And I was like, oh, great. And then she walks off into the sunset. And I was like, Karen, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, come for the, back. For the, for, yeah. the, for the cameras. <laughs> yeah. like, you're not going to be successful. Gets the limo, shuts the door. I'm like, Karen. Get, yeah. that, get that woman away from <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah, I've sent a couple of emails. But no response. But, oh. yeah. Well, so she's, I, she listens to this podcast, she actually. Yeah. Please, yeah. please get in touch. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a few years. Proving you wrong. I wish we had a more than give it a year because that was the programme. I'd love them to come back now. They wouldn't. Mm. I don't think it got recommissioned for another Yeah, <laughs> you, that's really interesting you said. I'd love them mm. to come back now because we, yeah. earlier we were talking about when somebody says you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Gives oh. you more drive to do it. Yeah, I find it embarrassing now looking at that and thinking how far we've come. Mm. And I wish people could see that it wasn't just a cottage industry, me making things in my front room. I think people imagine that when I say I have a clothing brand. Even if I meet someone random, they're like, imagine I'm sat there sewing clothing, yeah. which blows my mind. I'm like, no. definitely not definitely not and it's like yeah maybe some people do it that way but mm -mm. not for me in terms of personality traits of Mm -hmm. yourself then what what would you put it down to that that has made you successful graceful swan by the way really what does that mean 100 percent like you constantly feel like nothing really phases you. Oh, that's nice. You're very calm and that's a good and, exterior. But then, yeah, yeah. But then, actually, inside, you're probably mm. panicking about a hundred different things. But that never yeah. really comes out. That's nice. I, I think I I'm very much a work under pressure type person. I seem to thrive in that sense. If there's a lot going on, it's when I I'm very stressed, but I come into my own and I I can I get that real passion comes out of me and I'm I'm in and I don't stop. I think. I think a fear of failure actually is a part of my, one of my traits. And I don't like to stop until I feel like I've, I've got past that. And I, I just can't, I can't bear the thought of it. I'm reading a book at the moment called The Laws of Human Nature. Okay. And basically the general theme is everything come back, comes back to childhood. Yes. How you are as an adult, literally everything. Yeah. Where do you think that fear of failure comes from? Oh, that's deep. Our childhood. My, maybe it's growing up around a dad who also had his own business. And there is this real thing in my family, I'm sure they wouldn't mind me saying, of like, there probably is a bit of a fear of failure and they don't like to talk about failures in that way. There's, no, there's always a way out. I mean, I think even when I was at a bad place with necks, like, my parents are very supportive. And I remember the dad having a conversation with me like, well, what are your parachutes? Like if you jump out of the plane what can catch you mm. like okay you've got a home your mortgage is affordable you can leave next like we're very practical people but we also don't like making stupid decisions and I think I'm quite risk averse in that way so maybe the idea of failure is something that I know they always say you have to fail to move forward and I failed lot in lots of small ways along yeah but there's never been this big fail. Very interesting. Yeah. And number three? Three. I see this is the sort of thing that makes me uncomfortable because yeah. I'm not very good at self-reflection. Mm. That theme comes up every week. Yeah. So. We're gonna get we're gonna get to ten guests in here mm. and we're gonna realise that everybody's driven by the same things because no one likes to stop and look back. No. it's I guess in terms of personal, I think I've said it repetitively, but my sense of purpose I guess that's maybe what's driven me to this point I really do think I've got a good eye for making a great brand Mm. and I think I can see things in a different way so it's it's led to quite comfortably creating something that I'm really happy with yeah but there's there's quite a lot of bravery involved in it as well because if you set up and you became very knowledgeable about the Mm. kids clothing and baby clothes market you you require a real sense of mindset to understand what parents and mothers want and whenever you set set up Claude you didn't have a family and you weren't in that that, you weren't in that space Mm -hmm. so you must have had very singular ideas to what people were talking about mistakes in that there's because I don't have children so sometimes the practicality of things I've maybe made something and a parent's been like oh I can't get their foot in there very easily or (laughs) you know it's those things I, I don't have that experience of having children and it's amazing how many people I've met along the way that have been really surprised that I don't have children but mm-hmm. I have a kid's brand. But I think you can be really passionate about an yeah. element of yeah. fashion without being necessarily having the experience. But it's probably been a bit of a challenge as well because I don't have kids yet. 
but it probably is giving you giving you a completely different perspective on yeah. on actually. I mean, it's probably quite hard to start a brand with children at the same yeah, time. Yeah, very true. Yeah, so absolutely. That was part of my drive as well for leaving. Of, of like, I hope I have children one day, so I'd like to get this started. Yeah. Before. Mm. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the whole fast fashion, mm-hmm. sustainability side yeah. of fashion at the minute. We're obviously in the middle of a cost of living crisis and there's more pressure being put on households to buy cheaper fashion, but also the impact that it has. Mm. How, how well do you think that the fashion industry is addressing the issues that they need to right now? I, it's a huge, it's, that's a massive question. I feel mm. like there's so many experts in that field. I think I quite stay in my lane in that I... I will always say to someone who buys off Alibaba or goes to Primark or I'm like, just think about where it's coming from, how many they're making of mm, it. Yeah. And having been to lots of different factories around the world, some of the conditions that people are working in is horrendous. And it's also really unnecessary. If you go into a shop and you see, if you think there's a hundred of those shops around the UK, how yeah. many of those size sets and those t-shirts have they made? And what happens to the ones that don't sell? They're not all going to be bestsellers. Mm. Where do they go? What mm. happens to them? They can't keep bringing them out for the one pound sale. And it's really sad. I don't like that side of fashion, but I am also, obviously I, I mean, the people say to me like, oh, it's great that you've got an organic clothing brand and you're doing really good things, but being realistic the best way of me helping the environment is probably not having a fashion brand. (laughs) But I, I think that we're doing something that's different and we're trying to disrupt the fact that you don't have to just, there's a place for buying the nursery gear from all the shops that you can get it from cheaply. And I understand that parents need that, but we're also making the special things that people can come to and feel good about their purchase because we really do care about how it's made Mm. start to finish. Uh, Have you seen the uh, buying behavior of your customers change over the last Seven years yeah. since since we've mm. kind of been in the industry, two years ago, it was quite normal to do a returns label because yes. somebody orders yeah. three of the same thing in mm-hmm. different sizes and they're almost expected. Yeah. People have come right away from that, so it's a bit more effort to return things. Have you seen something similar? Yes, and I think we don't really have many returns and things like that. I think people are buying into the brand and a lot of our stuff is gifting. It's quite experienced buying. I think people know that they're buying from a brand that's really excited about selling you this product and I hope that comes across and and maybe with kidswear as well you can adapt things to fit and if it's too big a lot of our things are quite oversized so people roll them up and they the buckles change and they wait for it to fit and we we do get some people say this is drowning my child but I'm like well it will fit them in a year so yeah yeah, I think and we have a lot of hand-me-down culture as well We see a lot of our clothing on Vinted. Part of that culture has shifted and I think people like to buy secondhand. They like mm. to be part of a kind of a, a resale culture. So we're we're very much in the mix of that because our stuff lasts. So mm. one of my favourite it's a bit of an aside, one of my favourite things I've seen was actually by M and S, which was a kid's school coat. Mm. And they put on the inside of it this coat belongs to and it's got number one, number two and number three on it. Yeah, so the idea clever. is you can write mm it being handed down it's just it's a message that's such a lovely simple that thing really to nice. do yeah. and yeah. the fact that M&S are embracing that but that's sort of a good indication of where the fashion industry does yeah. need to go with stuff yeah, like I mean, that I'm sure they saw that on Pinterest but I'm sure they did <laughs> <laughs> it's just in a cynical <laughs> bio right there. did that's you see that another side of my personality did you see that yeah. clip <laughs> yeah but I was just going to ask about what you would tell your younger self going back into mm. this industry if you were in that room and next yeah. about to start off this oh. journey because there'll be people listening to this mm. that see you as a massive inspiration That's that will be going I want to follow that <laughs> I want to follow that journey but where, where do I start and what would you say to that to young Abby to young Abby I think I think I would tell her well in that instance of next I would say it's it's all going to be okay because she was not in a happy place yeah. but there's part of me that wishes I'd done things quicker and then the other side of me is like, well, I wouldn't be sat here yeah. and I wouldn't be in this place. And we were meant to grow slowly and steadily. And now we've got a really strong foundation that's led to really beautiful things happening. And mm. I think it's made as the brand we are. So I maybe would tell her to just keep going with what she's doing. And I, I don't I don't think I would have changed a single thing about this whole journey. There's been circumstances in personal life and business that I wish I could change that have happened along the way. But we're happy with with where I am right Mm. now so I don't think I'd tell her anything other than you're fine would you have completely knocked university on the head 
No, because that first year was fun. And (laughs) I'd have told her to go and have more fun in the first year and stop going to her lectures. But I, I think it's all... I wouldn't maybe have got the work experience if I hadn't done that first year. I landed in different places that have led me to sat be sat here and I think it's it's a wonderful thing. So yeah. This requires a little bit of self reflection. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pin you down and ask you for it, which both you guys Trent hits that I reflect. No, no, no. I like that you reflect, but only not reflect in terms of look at what we've achieved. You reflect on this time last year, mm. this time two years ago. What did I send you last night, by the way? Oh, I just yeah. remembered I've sent you. I forgot that I sent you it. Yeah, this time last year. Mm. How, how long have we been going? Five, six months. And yeah, taking on this business, best way to put it, was bigger, a bigger challenge than we thought, especially on the finances. <laughs> so the, the text exchange that Richard yeah. sent me last night was probably the peak of that. Right. holy mother what are we gonna do yeah and it was exactly a year ago and and i i journal a lot i catalog oh, everything every single day mm. every single day because i think you do it, it you do need to kind of see where you came mm-hmm. from to appreciate how far you've come to give you the confidence to keep going i need you to ask me more questions to reflect on myself <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting can you remember when facebook memories started yeah and it was like eight years ago you uploaded oh, that yeah and you also do you have that thing where you say did i ever write that because you know, it comes up with things and you're like i didn't write yeah, that like, who wrote that that's so really embarrassing like, um, <laughs> <It's> like, oh. <laughs> when we first started oh. using facebook we did not know how to use facebook so no. it was like it's Richard Ardis just mm. ate a bacon roll. Yeah, that's a, it's just really embarrassing. Why did we do that? Um, but obviously Facebook is only a part of your mm-hmm. life, the, the bit of your life that you want to show everybody. Yes. So when Richard is reflecting and yeah. writing things down, it's very honest and raw and truthful. Yeah. So That might be worth a lot one day. Well, I, I genuinely think there's a book in it. Yeah, I'm sure. Because the, the, the app that I use is photographs and mm. text. And it's the text that's the most interesting thing. And there's times when you just especially whenever you're building a business like this, you just kind of have got to vent it somewhere, but I don't vent it at Trinks. It's not his fault, yeah. responsibility, but it's got to go somewhere. But when you look at it back, now you go, how did we get through yeah. that bit? And it gives you such confidence to know that if you can do that, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. And it feels um, quite fickle. I, like the last five months have been really challenging for me. And even on the way here, I rang my best friend and she's like, have you kind of over that thing with the factory now and what was going on? I'm like, yeah. yeah. It just it just feels too big to be like, yeah. not really, I'm feeling quite mentally yeah. scarred. But it's like, There's no other option here. No, yeah, it comes back fine. to, I, yeah, I, can't, yeah. I can't pass this problem on. Yeah. yeah. One day I'm ringing her being like, I can't do this anymore. The next day I'm like, no, no, it's fine. And she thinks I'm completely mentally unstable. Yeah. But I just have to keep putting things in boxes. It's just, we move, we keep moving. Exactly. Yeah. And each day that you have... You never have one individual day and think, no. what a day. This is a game-changing day. <laughs> yeah. But over time, especially when you look back on a yes. year, it's like, wow, they really do add up. Really important moments that, that have led to different things happening. And yeah, it's, I suppose that's part of a journey, isn't it? That's what stoicism is all about, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And that you need to be... It's really important. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's finder mentality, mm. isn't it? Because if you work for a corporate, you work and get your paycheck for working for another company, yeah. you don't get that. No, I sometimes know, look you can back walk at, away from it really yeah, easily. Yeah, I just look, that a little. Yeah, well, I ha- when's the last it. time you have ever had an eight till five? It got to five. Like I won't think about working till tomorrow. Oh, uh-huh. never, <laughs> yeah. never, ever, ever in the last seven years. And it, and I guess actually maybe our honeymoon. I really did have a break, mm. but that surprised me and surprised Justin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I really stopped, and but it's that was because of the team, and that's the first time I've started building out the people around me and yeah. hiring well, and that's made a huge shift in my attitude and now I'm actually focusing on the things that I can do well but yeah there's been real periods of burnout where I've I've been like oh I can't I really can't do this anymore but then you suddenly find that magic again and it just yeah. comes back out so here's a question for both of you because Grace and I were talking about this and Grace mm. is doing some work from NTU with us at the minute for, for a former student doing some marketing intern work we were talking about earlier on this week the idea that you don't really want to stop as a no. founder and actually switching mm. off there's a fine line between switching off in the evening or at weekends because your kind of brain sort of needs you to but actually you don't want to because you enjoy what you're doing so yeah. much and actually getting onto the skin of it and driving the business forward it's it's contagious I probably my personality is Claude and Co so mm. like why I don't want to walk away from that I'm I've built this whole business around me and how I work and my life there's there's times where I wish I could stop you know, if, if my alarm goes off at six, I roll out of bed, I get on with my work. And I think to a lot of people, that's they don't understand how you could want to get up every day at six and work till sometimes eight, mm. nine o'clock at night. 
and not really move very much. Mm. But it's like, actually, there's things that I need to do every day. Yes, I'd like there'd be a lifestyle shift at some point, but it doesn't, it does, I never get Sunday blues. I never mm. feel like yeah, yeah. I'm working for someone else's agenda. There's challenges, but everything is, I make my way out of them with the help of people around me, but they're my decisions. So it never feels like a, a chore or a burden to have my own brand. Do you ever come across in life, because I, 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 I've met individuals like this and I have this immediate thought process where they have quite what seems like a really basic life in terms yeah. of, like this is stereotypical, but they'll get up and have the same thing for breakfast. They'll go and do their job eight till five, switch off, and then they'll go to the pub and have that two pints yeah. by themselves, sat in the corner, and then they'll have the mm-hmm. same thing for dinner. And they seem completely content with mm-hmm. that. And initially, like, I'm really jealous that you can be content of just that yeah. methodical, structured way mm-hmm. of life. But then you think about it in reality, like, there is no way I can do that. No, I mean, I, I, I kind of understand why people maybe want to be like that, but it's so far away from my personality. Mm. Like, I think there's so much to to go out in life, and it's so exciting. I've built a company that means I can go and do those things. Yeah. If If me and Justin work together, we can go and live in Spain for a month and work and... I like being a bit of a nomad and there's there's so much excitement that can come from running your own brand and yes there's that makes it sound glamorous there's really difficult things but it's it gives me the life choices that I wanted to make and I I never want to be the person that's having the same dinner every night <laughs> but but it's the routine that's it's the routine, killer yeah routine you hate routine I can't bear routine maybe mm. that's another f- thing about this mindset that we just can't cope with that whole idea of everything yeah, being the same time the same yeah, place yeah I try and, and organize I've been really good at trying to organize my weeks and then it just completely goes out the window I'm I like get into a, of a Monday yeah morning, right? I get into a habit and then I'm like oh that's gone and it just I seem to be on this forever roller coaster because it, you hear about the people that are very successful in business that only read their emails once a day I'm like oh that's not me at all but I mean we're, we do what we do you get yeah. up at 5 30 yeah. you do a workout yeah. you have your first yeah. breakfast and then another workout you journal and then you you journal, a candle. and then you just give gratification to your <laughs> yeah, family yeah while doing yoga. I find the idea of what are you grateful for so hard mm. I find that really difficult because mm. I'm like I don't know what I'm meant to like there's been times where I'm like what should I write down I don't know, I know. My, wife, my wife does it every night really yeah, I need some lessons I feel like you guys are clearly really reflective I oh, need no, that no 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 I'm the, refl- mm. I'm the reflective because I'm kind of jealous of what Richard does yeah. I've given it a go before but yeah. even having a journal in front of you and it might be write down three things that you're really grateful when I'm writing yeah. them I feel uncomfortable yeah I feel uncomfortable and I wish I wish I was better at it I think I've even the last year I've tried to get more into that mindset because it does help and yeah. but I'm I need to be a bit more reflective maybe and a bit better at self-analysis what makes you uncomfortable with it well I the the one thing that I can't get in my head around is you're writing down something that nobody's ever going to read mm-hmm. and so like what happens if one day somebody picks up this book and read all these inner thoughts like that kind of creeps me out a little bit. My take on it is that I wish I was a bit more profound. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just read other people's and go, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to take that one. I'd be grateful for that. Yeah. I'm just not, I'm not very good at, until someone prompts me. If someone gets deep with me, I'm like, I'm there, but I'm not very good at doing it myself. And maybe because I've got a million other things going on. Maybe My really journaly friend took me journey away. Friend. Journaly friend. <laughs> She'll be coming for that. She took me away and was like trying to prompt and ask me these questions. I just ended up crying because I was like, I can't think of an answer. And I don't know what you want from me because mm. I just find it really hard to get it out. I'm yeah. like, it's all in here, but there's nothing coming out of me. It's therapy, just, it's therapy mm. isn't it? Yeah, it's therapy. I need to have a lot of therapy. But... <laughs> <laughs> this this yeah, is therapy. This is good therapy. This yeah. Is therapy. Yeah. I didn't get to my question, though, so okay, what I was going to ask it. about yeah. reflection. It's going to be a good question. Isn't it? It's got to be a good well, question. Well, the question was just about when you look back at what you have built, you don't mm. necessarily stop, or maybe you do stop and go, okay, I'm all right, I've been successful. But I was up on your mezzanine last week and there were boxes, international parcels going out, and one of them was going to Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. one of them was going to Hollywood, yeah. and I know for a fact there's been a couple of A-list celebrities yeah. that have actually engaged with your brand, oh, which yes. is unbelievable. So yeah. you must look back and go, okay, I've done something to be able to be getting my brand into the hands of people in Hollywood, let You're alone so my amazing... dropping there. I was going to, but I'm being sensitive not to. Yeah. But you must feel good when you look back at what this journey has given you. Well, it's interesting because a lot of, I suppose the people around you that care about you, they they come to me and say, God, it's amazing what you're doing and this thing's happened and this thing's happened. And I do find it really hard to be like, okay, I've done that now, that's great. Mm. And it's, it's all, 
sometimes I think it's crazy that I could do a lot of it sat in my pajamas in my <laughs> office like and I think how has I've made this brand from just being me and and I find it hard to be really yeah and it's nice to have that recognition from people and I'd always like more so yeah it's it's a good thing it's really nice to be known for I guess that first baby outfit or someone announcing pregnancies that kind of stuff is it's exciting that they would want to buy something that I've created to yeah. do that and they have a platform I think that's and even the people that don't, I mean, we had a, we had a circumstance where Zoe Sugg and Alfie Days, they yeah. had, they were, they just off their own back bought the Milking It Baby Grow and did a whole YouTube video announcing their pregnancy. And they used that to announce the pregnancy and they had it arriving in the post and opening it. And for me, I've never seen, I mean, that must happen day in, day out. I've yeah, never yeah, seen yeah. someone, as like a fly on the wall. And mm. I actually was really emotional because... I see it all the time, but I never get that experience of someone buying something that really means the world to them yeah, because they've just found out they're pregnant. Life. Yeah, and that you know the amount of pictures we get of them just laying in a cot before a baby arrives, and it clearly is a really important part of what people are building in their life, and we've done something that's part of that, yeah, yeah. and that makes me more emotional that to be that fly on the wall for people is is really special, and the fact that they would choose our brand, and we think we've made something special but they do too and that's that's lovely I, I find that the biggest compliment where are you and corn and co in five years hopefully there's a small person in our life they take up a lot of time i hear so <laughs> probably it will be a very different world but i hope we've made some amazing hires i hope that the team around me i'm really happy to work with i can see this really beautiful concept store that has people can come and visit us and they can see Claude in the wild and like the real life because it's so it's so um, of e-commerce you don't actually get to see how beautiful the fabric is and Mm. how special those pieces are so I love that experience of trade shows and meeting people and I don't want to sit in a shop and run it all day I haven't got time for it but I want us to have that space and a, a great office and yeah I see that the perfect day is coming so that's what I want to aim for yeah it'll be very i'm sure it'll be very minimal very beautiful interiors are definitely my bag so i can see it i can definitely you can close your eyes and you can see kind of what it's going to look like don't you abby thank you very much for coming in and sharing your story it was um very insightful if people want to find you by the way where do they find Abby? we're very big on instagram or very big we're very (laughs) active on instagram and our website and email always email me hello at claudeandco.co.uk and we have a lovely team of people ready to answer and help questions Sixty thousand odd followers on instagram that's not to be sniffed at that's very you didn't have that many when you came on in december no no i didn't know we it sort of grows steadily I mean, it's, again, it's all that success is relative, isn't it? Some, someone sat here listening to this with a million followers, like, God, that's rubbish. Yeah. But it's all engagement and it's community. Like, some brands that can have a million followers have 10 likes on a post. We are, it's the struggling with engaging that's the, the, mm. the hard part. But yeah, it's a really nice, it's a, it's a nice thing to solidify that you are a good brand because. I find sometimes you'll meet people and they'll say, what is it you do? And you tell them and you're like, oh, you can look at our Instagram because you can see that we're a real brand. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and they just go, okay, you're not rubbish. That's good. It validates mm. you, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it validates you. Yeah. 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 We've just got nice people. parents to be or already mm. parents that are excited about it. But validating is a good question, though. Or nothing thing. Mm. Well, I'm an all, all or nothing person. You are, absolutely. Well, it's got you to hear, so. Yeah, nothingness. No. <laughs> Well, we wouldn't be with you if you were nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Abby, thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank Thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Cup of tea in the chat. You know how they say dogs kind of act like their owners, obviously babies are like their parents, blah, blah, blah. I'm dying to know where this is going. This is really insightful, trust me. But obviously business and people within a business act like the founders or the leaders or whatever, whether you like it or not. That's definitely the case for Cordica because obviously we've got quite a lot of interaction with her members of staff, either mm. full-time or part-time, and they're all kind of just as lovely as Abby. So it's like you set yourself, you set everybody else around you a, a kind of template or expectation level and people just behave in the same manner. Mm. Anyway, Hi. talk to me about lifts, please. Right, so the, the the teaser that I kind of put out at the beginning of the podcast is Empire State Building, when it was built, 
in the the 1930s. Lifts were slow. Not enough people could get into them and people were waiting for ages. Could take years to rectify, but they only spent 200, and I quote, bucks. $200 to solve the problem. What did they do in the foyer that allowed them to to eradicate the problem within a matter of weeks? Put a clock. And And by the way, it still happens today. Did they? Mm. Play music? Nope. You're along the right lines. Thank you for your patience, side. Nope. Lots of clocks. What did people like to do? Look at mirrors. Correct. Absolutely spot on. They put mirrors around the foyer where the people were waiting for lifts. They realised that people didn't care one jot how long they were waiting as long as they could stand, check themselves out and look at themselves in the mirror. Interesting. And that is how people stopped complaining about waiting for the lift. Thanks for listening to this episode of Business. Interrupted. Who's on next time? Can um, I give a clue to our next guest? So, the next one is health and fitness. Yeah. If, if there was a soundtrack, would it be Van Halen? Yeah. Criss Cross? Pointer Sisters? Girls Allied? House of Pain? Sailing, take me away to where I'm always... No, not Christopher Cross then. I don't know the answer to this. Oh, jump. Yeah, of course. House of Pain, sorry. Jump, jump, jump. It's a business owner with an e-commerce brand. What? A finder with purpose. And a story to tell. Thanks for listening to this episode. Feel free to subscribe. Yeah. You can find us Hit on that all... subscribe button down yeah. there. And find us in the usual channels. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Business, Business Interrupted, Interrupted with Trenton Richard. Powered by We Are Fulfillment. Okay.